We gotta start reminding people that in the state of Alabama, it's not as polarized, right? And so I think that we need to acknowledge that when we see it and not just, you know, we just can't beat up on people all the time. fantastic week your favorite political podcast alabama politics this week with josh moon and david person <laughs> i like it, I like it. Uh, it's uh it's like it kind of reminds me of the uh, jimmy fallon slow jam in the news kind of thing yeah it's, <laughs> yeah uh, uh yeah it's uh it's a good week uh good week it was a good week last week we had some things go down uh the, the day after we recorded the podcast uh, which was unfortunate but you know happens that's how you, mm-hmm. you record it on one day things happen the next that's how it mm-hmm. works sometimes in life uh but uh yeah two two bigger ones uh the redistricting verdict came in from the uh, federal court which and it was exactly what everyone thought it would be tossing that uh, map right aside and uh, appointing a special master to draw a new one and uh, of course immediately uh Steve Marshall and his group uh, appeals uh, to the Supreme Court. Uh, we're going to talk a, a more in depth about this with uh, with Anthony Daniels, uh, the House Minority Leader, and um, you know, for Alabama, and about you know he was part of the groups that were uh, following along and there at every step. And so he can tell us a little bit more about the the inner workings of what's going on and what they're thinking. Uh, and so, but I've you know we've had some conversations. Not a surprise, right? Not a surprise that this went no. down this way. No, I think. Um you know, I would almost say it was choreographed in a sense. Um, not, not. Imp- I'm not trying to impugn the courts here, but you know, um, or, or maybe a better word. It was this. It was the strategy all along. Maybe that's a better way to say it. You know, uh, in this chess match that the um, that the Alabama Republicans have uh, decided to engage in here um there i think this was their goal all along to just strategically try to get in front of the supreme court so they could then really make another argument altogether which mm-hmm. um you know which we've we've all been predicting so yeah they want yeah. to gut section two of the of the voting rights act along to go along with the gutting of section five they want to basically I think they want to try to 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 rip as much of the Voting Rights Act apart as they can because mm-hmm. they feel that this will give them the edge that they need to have an indefinite hold of power uh, on the politics of the state. Oh yeah, they, listen, they've not been shy about admitting this. That uh, you know, if they don't, if they not, if they're not successful in this, then uh, you know, and they have to draw maps fairly where people are represented and their votes count as as equals. Uh, that you know the Republican Party is in in dire danger of of losing the the House and uh, and the Senate uh, staying with Democrats and them never being in control again. Uh, they've said these out loud. This is no it's no secret. I'm not you know breaking news or anything here or speculating. Uh, as a favorite coach uh, that I used to cover used to say, is speculating. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, and it was. Uh, it's this is their goal. I mean, this is it's not to govern better. It's not to adjust policies to fit a wider base of people. Uh, you know, there there's a there was an NPR article. Listen to this. It was an NPR article this last week where 
where they interviewed John Wall, and he talked about wanting to attract more minorities to the party. What the fuck are you talking about, man? <laughs> what, what? What? Yeah, we've what talked about this. About? We've talked about this before. It's such a. Uh, it it really is laughable, and and you know, in, in so many on so many levels that. You say you want to attract more minorities, but then you do every possible thing you can do from voter suppression to adopting policies that are antithetical to attracting minorities. And it just makes you wonder, like, what what twilight zone are they in? And I guess part of the problem, Josh, is there's always one. That's that's what we say in the black community about a lot of things. Well, there's always one. And so there's Mm -hmm. always one Negro who is going to affirm, assuage, coddle the sensibilities of, you know, right-wing conservatives. And, you know, we've got mm-hmm. one in this state who is, uh, who's been elected as a, a state representative. I can't remember the guy's name. Kenneth Paschal. What's his name? Kenneth Paschal. Kenneth Paschal. I know him well. Yeah. So, yeah, so he's, he's one. You know, and 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 I'm not saying this to indict him on every position that he holds. I don't know what positions he holds, but I do know that. But I do know this. I know that if you as a black person in 2023 decide to openly affiliate with the Republican Party of 2023, then Mm -hmm. you're that Negro and he's (laughs) that Negro in this state. You know, in South Carolina, it's Tim Scott. He's that Negro mm-hmm. in that state. You know, and yeah. again, that's not, you know, Tim Scott has taken some, uh, at least one position that I absolutely 100% agree with. Uh, that that time, a couple of years ago, that he, this was after the George Floyd incident, Josh, when he stood mm-hmm. on the Senate floor and talked about his own challenges as a black yeah. man being pulled over by police. So... You know, again, I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not damning these guys to hell, as as some might say. But the truth of the matter is, it makes no sense if you're a black person in 2023 to affiliate with a party that takes the stands they take. No, absolutely not. I mean, I mean, just look, look what their, look what their focuses have been on as as policy issues. You know. It's just don't, it's don't talk, just don't act like, you know, just stand out here and act as if what you just said is arbitrary in some way. I mean, it's not. It's not arbitrary. And I mean, it's, it's not like you just don't want them because there's a lot of white people in the party. You don't want black people to be in the party. It's their, their whole policy has been uh, to protect Confederate monuments, right. to uh, to stop a CRT, uh, to stop, you know, DEI trainings and stuff, to stop racial sensitivity trainings, to go, uh, you know, to go out of their way to take down the Voting Rights Act. What? What are you talking about? You know, I mean, you want to attract more minorities. I mean, if, if there were policies in the Democratic Party against bald people, I wouldn't be in the Democratic Party, you know? <laughs> right. I mean, it's just. Uh, yeah. it, it, and, and to go what? back to your point about it's not about it's not me taking this position because of race. I mean, the Democratic Party has been loaded with white people for years, yes. <laughs> and we've had yes. no problem being in the Democratic Party. We've had no problem voting for white Democratic candidates from, yeah. you know, dog catcher to president. So it's not that we've got an aversion, you know, toward white people. It's that we have mm-hmm. an aversion toward policies that are aimed at our destruction. 
or, yes. or, 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 or aimed at, 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 you know, aimed at us in a punitive kind of way. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, a limiting the, the limiting factors uh, that, uh, that come about because of their policies, yeah. you know, and it's just uh, it's listening to them. It, it, there's such you know circular logic that they use. And they, oh, well, we would love to have more. I mean, no, you, shut up. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. What you want to do is you want to continue to vilify uh-huh. black people in order to attract the racist base that you need to get elected in primaries. And then you want to come on the backside of them and go, but we're good people. You know yeah. that's what you want, yeah. and that's that's all. That's well, all. And I think, and I basically. think, I'll, I'll go this far with them. I think they want black people who will accept the vilification. They want yeah. black people who are masochists, who are political yeah. masochists, who will stand yeah. there and take the and take the whooping and 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 embrace the stereotyping and. You know, sing the same, you know, same songs that have been sung about black stereotypical songs that have been sung about black people in this state and in this country for the past, you know, almost 400 years. Well, about 400 years. Yeah, no, you're right. And and it's just it's, it's just stop it. Uh, but, uh, you know, I. We also the the other thing that happened, uh-huh. uh, the other thing that happened outside of the redistricting stuff on last Friday or and maybe even Thursday, um, after we after we recorded was um, David Cole's uh, full plea agreement uh, hit the hit the wire uh, and uh, you, we, everyone got to see exactly what he admitted to doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, the fact and all of the punishments for that, which included a 60 day stint in the Madison County Jail, uh, three years of probation after that is over with. Uh, He will face a felony, which in this state means he's going to lose his medical license. Um, And also uh, he's got to pay restitution, including paying back his full salary for the year that he was in the house. uh, even though he was not supposed to be. And so he's got to return all that, pay all that back. Uh, and then I'm assuming he, I know he also had Joe Espy as an attorney, so I know he had a pretty hefty legal bill. Uh, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, so uh, he did not, he did not exactly skate uh, on these things. Um, uh, you know, it's uh, the, and the indictment for him uh, you know, or the, what with the plea agreement, kind of spelled out a lot of what he did and and it was uh, largely what what I had written to begin with uh, that mm-hmm. uh, he had he had gone to this gentleman Hembert Sinopoli, uh, I assume that's the way you say his name uh, that was a family friend and told him that he might need to lease space from him at his house because he was his house was no longer in district 10 and that they were looking for options for housing but they didn't know if he would be able to find it in time. Uh, and so he he might they might have to move into there. Uh, the Sinopoli guy apparently fully believed, at least according to the plea agreement, that uh, that Cole and his family were going to move into their home at some point and stay there for a little bit. Um, or at least David Cole was going to move in for a period of time. Um, and so um, but. He never did. And then he, he lied to him, lied to the, uh, according to the plea agreement again, lied to the folks at the Republican Party. I don't know how much I buy that. Uh, Anson Knowles, of course, has since come out, who was the gentleman that turned him into the to the Republican Party, uh, who was then kicked off the ballot himself because he had been a libertarian. Uh, but uh, he, he says that that's just nonsense, that the Republican Party had every available uh, piece of evidence that was necessary 
And they did. I mean, it was not hard to figure this out. Okay. Mm-hmm. It was not, it was not hard to figure this out at all. Yeah. I uh, mean, you, you did what you did some basic, you yeah. know, reporting that wasn't real complex and you figured it out. Yeah. So, and so, yeah, so they, he knew, but I mean, he went, he went, this was Cole, you know, went, went to some links, uh, apparently. And, and he admitted in the plea agreement to doing these things. So, I mean, it's not, not allegedly anymore. It's, this is what he admitted to, uh, that he, uh, you know, he went to some links to, to do this and to circumvent the laws and voted out of his precinct twice on two different occasions or three different occasions. I'm sorry, three different occasions. Um, hmm. and so he used that because he used the address to vote absentee, then used the address to vote in person during the runoff and then used the, uh, a separate address. Uh, which was an apartment to vote in the general election, even though he had claimed his homestead in District 4 uh, on his taxes for the homestead exemption, because, you know, you got to get that homestead exemption. Um, <laughs> and it's just, you, you, you know what got gets me through this whole thing is the overwhelming stupidity of this. It is, you know, what are you doing? You know, I mean, what, just... <laughs> I mean, if you want to do it, just move, move a few blocks. You know, your kids don't even have to change schools. Uh, just move a few blocks into a different house or don't do it. You know, I mean, yeah. it's just what you're a successful doctor with a whatever this, you know, practice that he has up here. It's not a private practice, but it's some sort of occupational therapy stuff that he does with mm-hmm. Huntsville Hospital. And I, I mean, you know, what are you doing? Just don't, don't do yeah. it. It's just, yeah, it's just, you know, for somebody that you would assume has a higher level of common sense than the average person, it just, <laughs> I, I don't know, I guess he panicked. I mean, I, I mean, but even with that, like you're saying, pardon me, it just seems as though he would have just said, you know what, I can, I can wait and do this the right way. What was the urgency? Yeah. And we, you and I talked about this quite a few episodes ago when this first came out, you know, what was the urgency? Why, why was it so, why did it have to be when he did it? Because he could have waited. He could have been more strategic. I I don't know. It's pretty strange. But yeah. And the other part of it that's strange is just the, just the fact that, you know, at a point in here, you had a choice, you know, Mm -hmm. at any point after I wrote the stories about, you know, you could, you could tell at that point, that people were paying attention. And so mm-hmm. then he beats Maryland lands by a very close margin. You know, I mean, for mm-hmm. that, you know, for Alabama uh, and that district, especially, you know, has been held by Republican for a while. Um, and, and so they, they, there's already a threat of an election challenge to this. Why at the moment the election challenge was filed, didn't he just bow out? You know what I mean? Why, why mm-hmm. didn't he do that? I don't understand why he didn't do it, but arrogance, hubris, sense of entitlement, yeah, or stupidity—I I don't know—or or something else that we don't know about. Some again, something that made this an urgent matter for him that we just don't know about. But I don't—I don't get it either. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I just don't understand it. At that point, you're you're looking at how oh, hell if somebody figures this out. I mean, uh, surely one of the attorneys that he had could have told him that, man, if somebody figures out what you've done here, this is a, this is a felony. All, and all he ever had to do was back out and nobody mm-hmm. would have pursued it any farther. You know, he risked his whole, well, he risked his whole way of living. His whole his standard yes. of living, his, his family standard of living. It's just, it's, you know, his political reputation, his professional reputation. 
Yeah. It's really bizarre. It Just really bizarre. is. It really is bizarre. But, you know, now we're looking at that, at that spot. It's going to come up for a special election, you know, since he has resigned. Um, and I, I know Marilyn Lands is going to run. Um, yeah. and, and so, and there, there are a couple of others that, that are rumored to be running and I think they're going to have a pretty good shot in this district. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, I think you're right. They will because, uh, Maryland, Maryland lands ran a, a close race. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, she was very competitive. She had a well-run campaign. Uh, the rumor mill says that, uh, Triana mayor, Mary Cottle's going to get in, Ooh. um, uh, that's that's what I've heard. Um, that's what's circulating out there. So I, you know, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what the rumor mill is saying. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, yeah. I would, I guess, I'll have to be honest and say up front and say that um, I think it would be in the best interest of the Democratic Party if there weren't you know, several Democrats trying to vie for the Democratic slot. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, that may be what we end up with. Yeah, don't have to, don't have to waste the money uh, mm-hmm. on that. Yeah, waste the money. And, and also, um, you know, again, as, as you and I both know, uh, the Madison County Democratic Party, and this, this is directly uh, related to Madison County, and I'm, I'm a part of that executive com- committee. Um, you know, it's trying to, uh, you know, you know we're, we're in a sort of a rebuilding stage, I guess is the best way to put it. So, um, you know, I, I think it would probably be easier on us, but, but we have to just sit, we have to sit and watch anyway. We can't. We can't, uh, you know, we can't prefer one Democrat over the other, but still probably be easier on us to if we knew there was just one candidate to really start strategizing and and assisting that one candidate. And then the same thing with the state party. And, you know, we've talked ad nauseum about the state party. So, right, right, right. You know, well, let me ask you this. Would it um, let's say let's just take the two candidates that we've talked about. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you think that that Marilyn Lands, because you know she worked with Mike Ball, um, and and is kind of, I, I would say, uh, you know, more palatable to, uh, I guess, you know, conservatives or moderate Republicans? Uh, do you think that she provides a better pathway to for to Democrats taking that seat, or uh, with the mayor trying? You know, that's a really interesting question. Um I don't I don't know um that's a really interesting question. I think because Marilyn worked with Mike Ball, um it it could be that she would be more palatable. And uh and since we know race is also often a factor in Alabama politics, she's a white woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm not saying that to disparage her in any way, shape or form. I, I really like Marilyn. Yeah, in well, fact, I do too. Yeah. We've had in, her on here in, in full transparency. Um, <clears throat> you know, I contributed to her campaign. Right. Uh, so, um, you know, I like Marilyn, but, um, um, I also like Mary, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know. I think, uh, I think you make a good point or at least your question raises a good point that, Perhaps uh, she would be more palatable to 
a broader swath of uh, at least a certain segment of the voters. But, but you know, on the other side of it, Mary Cottle is, um, I mean, she's a very, I would think she's a very well-known person mm-hmm. in North Alabama. <clears throat> I think she's probably got a fairly solid reputation. Um, and she certainly is well-connected. You know, she's the... Um, She's the sister of Kim Cottle Lewis, right? Who, uh, of course, ran for uh, a legislative seat herself, and um, and and I can tell, and I, in full transparency, I contributed to Kim's campaign <laughs> as well. And Kim is, um, you know, she she has a a strong, broad network of supporters that crosses race and class boundaries, from what I could tell. Right. And I would assume that Mary would be able to plug into that with Kim's support. So it could be very competitive yeah. if those were the two, you know, who ended up uh, being the sole, uh, you know, competitors for that, right. for the Democratic nomination. It could be that could be very competitive. Yeah. I, you know, I, and I didn't really mean to suggest that uh, that Marilyn Lands, you know, had, had was, was a favorite in that, uh, mm. I mean, although she, you know, she went, mm-hmm. she was the, the nominee last time, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I was more wondering if the, you know, if the, the demographics of, of this district would be more, uh, it, it, let's say if, if, uh, Mary Carter could, could get the, uh, uh, could, could generate a new wave of support from the black community, uh, within that district. Uh, I wonder, uh, if that would be enough to push her, uh, more so, maybe more so than Marilyn Lance, because it seemed like you know Marilyn Lance was a very good candidate, but mm-hmm. she could not overcome uh, the you know even a newbie Republican. I know he was a veteran and a doctor and all that, and you know didn't say a whole lot, but um, still she she couldn't get there. And so I was really just kind of wondering if if a change in tactic um, might be might be the way to go. I don't know. Well, again, I think you raise a you raise a really good point, and and I guess that's a little bit of what I was alluding to when I was talking about uh, you know Mary's connection to her sister right. and her sister's network, um, and and you know um, you know Mary, of course, has been the mayor of Triana for a number of years, and and helped to um, help to oversee the. Uh, I guess I'll say the turnaround of that community. Right. But, um, but then also, um, I mean, her sister Kim was the, the chair of the Madison County, uh, Huntsville Madison County chamber of commerce at one point. Yeah. Yeah. No, so she has deep business connections. Yeah. So the, the business connections, the connection to the black community that we would assume would be there. And I say assume because, uh, you know that there's some there's some politics within the politics when you sure. start talking about that. You sure, know? absolutely. Um, because uh, all black candidates aren't created equal. You know, uh, <laughs> some <laughs> some are, and, and we've seen that. You know, we've seen that uh, before. But I guess that you know it's analogous to talking about you know Thurgood Marshall versus Clarence Thomas I mean right. some are perceived to be very connected to the community yes. and some are not so are not perceived to be connected yeah. to the community so uh but but I would say again I think um I think Mary certainly between just her own uh 
you know, her own legacy, however one views that, I view it positively, by mm-hmm. the way. And her sister's legacy, which I also view positively, um, I think, you know, there's a there's a strong possibility that she could, you know, with the right strategy, she could uh, and right messaging that she could bring in you know, as you said earlier, a new a new slate of uh, or a new collection of black voters to uh, and not just black voters, but others mm-hmm. to uh, to be very competitive and yeah. maybe win. I'll tell you what, why don't we let's slide out of here. Uh, okay. We come back. We'll get uh, we'll get Anthony Daniels in here to talk about the redistricting stuff and and to talk about this. Uh, you know, he's a North Alabama guy. He recruits mm-hmm. a lot of these folks. He was heavily involved in uh, in Maryland Land's campaign uh, last year against David Cole and um, and and trying to you know push her you know push that campaign over the top. And uh, so let's ask him uh, what he thinks and, um, and and get his views on it. Uh, well, I tell you what, let's we'll, we'll slide out um, Alabama politics this week. Back in a minute. Hey, uh, if y'all would do us a favor and uh, go, to, if you're on Apple Podcasts, go and rate and review our little podcast here. Uh, that would be very, very helpful for us. Uh, you know, people might pay us to do this. Well. You never know. Yeah, but yeah, but let's not stop at Apple. Also, uh, you can do the same thing on Google Play, Amazon, and some of the more Android-friendly, uh, you know, platforms oh, as well. I forget that Dave is an Android guy. I am. <laughs> Me, I'm a conformist, and so you know, go to Apple. But seriously, wherever you go, just do, it. just just go and, and rate and review, and, and that would be very nice. Unless you're going to leave a bad one, don't do don't do that. Just don't don't, that. don't leave a bad. Thank you. All righty. Welcome back. Alabama politics this week. Josh Moon, David Person. And uh, we were we went out looking for for an expert on District 10 races, uh, on uh, redistricting, um, and all of them were busy. And so we settled on Anthony Daniels, the House Minority Leader, uh, who didn't have anything else to do. He's injured himself and he's unable to move. And so he's confined to, I don't know, to some room somewhere that his wife has put him in so she doesn't have to hear him whine anymore. And uh, so we, he's just looking for friends at this point. And so we said, all right, you can be on the Zoom with us. And so here, here he is. No, I, actually, it, when, when I saw the decision come down, uh, I, and then also the, the David Cole stuff that we talked about in the first segment, when I saw all this go down, Anthony was the first thought that I had about, you know, what, who, who to talk to about the future of that district, who to talk to about what's going to go on with redistricting. And so I really do appreciate you coming on and spending some time. Well, no problem. Always good to be with you gentlemen. Uh, y'all keep us honest around uh, <laughs> politics and in Alabama. Uh, so I, I know that I can always count on you guys to, to really set us straight. Yeah, well, I, you know, we we do our best. We do our we best. We try. But, uh, let, let's uh, before we get into the into the heavy lifting of uh, uh, of redistricting and stuff. Let's, let's start with uh, uh, this District Ten race where David Cole has now resigned his seat, and so this opens it back up. Uh, we assume yeah. that Marilyn Lands is is going to r- run again for that spot, uh, and uh, David said he has heard that uh, Triana Mayor uh, Mary Caudle may also run. Uh, so just wanted to kind of get your thoughts about what the future of that looks like. Anybody you've heard that's, that's interested in the spot and, and what the, you know, the outlook is for Democrats there. 
Well, what I see, I think some of the time the the mistake that we make as Democrats, we uh, everyone starts getting the courage to to run for an office when they see another Democrat get close to winning an election. Uh, and so uh, I will tell you in full disclosure and anyone that knows me know that I'm going to be direct and, and very honest about who I'm supporting in the race. And I, I am supporting Maryland Lands. Uh, Maryland uh, has, uh, you know, has demonstrated her ability through the last election. Uh, what you have to look at is when you're looking at an election in a district like a uh, purple district, like uh, District 10, uh, you got to look at what you're up against. Uh, we don't necessarily have the party infrastructure that the other side had. So the other side spent money with the party infrastructure. They spent, you know, they had uh, Senator Britt on the ballot. They had Governor Ivey on the ballot. Uh, and so they had a lot of the top of the, you know, the, their their main folks. And you had Dale Strong on the ballot. Mm-hmm. So those individuals naturally would drive turnout much higher than them not having an opponent at all. And so when you see, you don't see the coordination. But you have to understand the coordination is there. Right. And mm-hmm. for Marilyn Lance to be able to perform the way she did with the coordination that was at the top uh, of the ticket and from the, the bottom up and the top down with millions of dollars against millions of dollars, uh, you, know, you know, it's a no brainer uh, not to go back with her. She'll, she'll have the ability to raise money. Uh, she's demonstrating her ability to, to be able to perform well. And so uh, I would be, um, uh, I'll be a fool not to to look at all of that and 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 make the appropriate investment in Maryland lands. And I believe in her. I believe she's right, right candidate. Um, you know, nothing against anyone else that's interested in the seat. You you it's a free uh, opportunity for anyone to run. Uh, but I'll be casting my support uh, as well as Representative Hall and many others for Maryland lands. I don't I don't switch horses. Uh, it's a horse that rides very good, right? Mm-hmm. And so she does a great job. She does a great job, and she's of the community. Um, and mm-hmm. I think you know, hopefully, this time, uh, without hearing all the noise from the top of the ticket and these other folks running all these commercials, you'll we'll be able to focus on who Maryland is, and the voters will be able to understand who Maryland is, what she brings to the table, uh, and her body of work uh, uh, of service uh, uh, in our community. Well, and, and plus there's the added bonus of her actually living in the district. That that always helps. Uh, so it's, you know. Yeah, that's kind of that, that's, that's kind of important, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't know if Madison County Jail is in that district or not, but uh, uh. So, uh, at least Maryland is. Uh, so, all right, let's um, – unless, unless you have a question about District 10, David. I, I don't want to – Yeah, just – just one quick question uh, for Anthony on this. Uh, so what 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 is how does the process move forward? Can you just sort of lay that out for the, the listeners? Absolutely. Uh, David, um, David Cole did did resign uh, from the legislature. And so now it's up to the governor's office to uh, call uh, for the special election. Uh, they'll set a date for the special election. Uh, and I think that the people and the citizens of District 10, should probably be calling the governor's office saying, hey, we don't have representation. We need representation uh, and we need to make certain that the election is called uh, fairly quickly. Uh, and so I would encourage them to, to do so uh, because uh, they are without uh, representation and, and other districts are without representation at this point. And there are special elections uh, that are happening very soon. And so 
that's 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 kind of where we are. The governor it's all in the governor's hands to set the date. And once that happened, uh, the parties will have uh, will set uh, a time certain as to how long qualifying will be open. They'll would when would it open and when will it close? And so they'll set those parameters as a party uh, at the state level. And then from that particular, uh, from there, uh, candidates will have the ability to to put their name in a hat, to run for the seat, pay their qualifying fee, make sure that they are uh, registered uh, with you know their their uh, with the with the secretary of state's office, make sure they have their campaign committee, their bank account, all those things, as well as what. But the most important part of all of this is uh, making sure the that they are registered with the ethics commission. Yeah. Uh, make certain that they've done their statement of economic interest because that is a disqualifier from a person for a person running for office. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I, since we since we ha are hearing that there may be somebody, um, you know, Mary Cottle, who may be looking at that seat as well, uh, how does that fit into the timeline? Well, that once it opens, whoever qualifies, there will be. Uh, it can delay the actual uh, the the timeline if there's not a candidate on the other side. If they, say if there are four candidates running on the Democratic side, then there's likely going to be a runoff. Then that delays the time approximately eighteen weeks. Hmm. So you have six weeks for the election from the date the governor called it likely. Then you'll have six weeks for potential runoff. And then you have six weeks uh, for um, the uh, general election. And so you have to take into account that there could be a, a runoff. And sometimes they factor it into the initial notice. Um, but in case of a runoff, they have to ha set those dates um, insert, uh, the, the, for, the, for the time to, to allow that. And the parties deals with the primaries. You know, the parties are responsible for the primaries. Right. And so, uh, but the governor's office will, will set that date. And so I think um, you know, I, I and I, you know, I know Mary. Uh, in fact, um, relatives of of hers, I eat Miss Pauline Charles. I eat at her house almost, you know, used to almost every Sunday. Uh, mm -hmm. One of the best cooks I know. Um, but you know, for me as the in as a leader, um, oftentimes there are parts of the district that um, um, candidates, although they're in office, uh, they're not. Um, prominent like their their position is where in their area mm -hmm. oftentimes people in other areas have never heard of them in their name or what have you because in Huntsville you have a lot of new people moving in that moved in the last couple of years and so I think there's a Huntsville part of the district and there's a Madison part of the district as well and so for me um you know given the performance from Maryland in this last election uh, it's a no-brainer for me but I don't have anything against anybody else that desires to run. But I, I'm going to be involved in the primary, yeah. heavily involved in the primary. Real, real quickly on this last thing, um, have you heard about the other side? Uh, have, uh, have the Republicans, uh, do they have a candidate in mind for this or that they're going to push? Uh, is, will there be one? Well, I heard a couple of names. Uh, oftentimes on the Republican side, uh, they like to try to clear the field mm -hmm. uh, if they can. They, you know, the, obviously the, the field was clear for uh, David Cole after other candidates have talked about running. You know, there was a former city council, DJ Klein, that was in the race. Anton Noel got, you know, uh, removed from, from running. And there was someone else. 
talking about running for the seat as well, but the field was cleared. Uh, so I don't know kind of how their process worked or how they were able to do that, but they cleared the field so that it's a one-on-one uh, -on -one election. Uh, and and they'll likely try to do the same thing this time. Um, and, 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 but, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I think yeah. for us, um, we've heard about a city council member in uh, uh, Madison City uh, that's looking at uh, throwing his name in the hat. Uh, there's a former FBI person that they they talked about last time that didn't run last time. Uh, and there is a second potential candidate that uh, was former FBI that they're looking at uh, um, as well. And names I've heard. And so I think that they'll they'll have a pretty interesting time trying to figure out uh, how they deal with it. But I would certainly uh, in, in, encourage uh, them to make certain that that person lives and is registered in the district that they're running. Well, I mean, that's really overrated. I'm sure they'll find somebody who lives in or around District 10 uh, to run. Um, and, you know, maybe they have a family friend who lives there. Uh, so. All right, let's move to the redistricting real quickly. Uh, or not real quickly, but this is what we called you for. Uh, I know you weren't surprised by the decision of the federal court. Uh, where where do you think things go from here? Uh, I think we all have heard the rumors of uh, the fix being in with Kavanaugh uh, at the Supreme Court. Uh, do you think that there is some legitimacy to those rumors? Do you think that the Republicans can prevail with this strategy that they have? Uh, and how concerned are you about it? Well, I would tell you uh, from the very beginning, I've said that we, you know, the courts will rule in our favor uh, mm -hmm. from the very beginning. I mean, you know, Stephen Wonder could see this coming. Uh, I think for me, uh, it is the clear defiance and disregard uh, to uh, the guidance that was from the Supreme Court. Uh, you know, when you're talking about giving a community an opportunity to elect their candidate of choice, mm -hmm. how is it possible for any person or any community or any, any ethnic group, how is it possible for them to elect their candidate of choice if they're not in the majority? If I've never seen 40% be the majority. Yeah. Yeah. And the yeah. courts are very clear, uh, very deliberate about the guidance that they provided of saying that majority African-American or quite close. Yeah. Quite close uh, is at best 50 percent. Yeah. Right? yeah right. But majority African-American has to be 51 percent at the very minimum. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they're the whole basis of the actual claim is to give African-Americans an opportunity to elect their candidate of choice. It's impossible when there are no natural coalitions with African-Americans that you can say uh, are communities of interest and give those, that particular community an opportunity to elect their candidate of choice. Uh, one of the things that we, we do know, um, Josh, is that we know about voting. You know, we understand that you know, voting is, is the beating heart to democracy. But it's been ignored. It is the fundamental political right is being ignored because it's the it, it, it's it preserves all other rights mm -hmm. that apparently has been ignored. Right. And so we're at the point right now to where clear defiance is disrespect to the court. Yeah, I don't care what what their theory about Kavanaugh, right? Their theory about Kavanaugh is that um, 
because there may be um uh that because of his response and the way his his opinion read that there's somehow an opportunity for them to to go back to the courts and go after section two uh is uh I'm not a lawyer um but I don't think any other lawyer believes that. Uh, yeah. But the other thing that you have to look at is the the counsel for the other side was recommended uh, to be a federal judge. So I would say uh, I would venture to say that based upon what I saw in the courtroom with the three judge panel, they clearly asked him, "Did the legislature intentionally defy our guidance?" He said that his his response was, and I'll paraphrase it, it was more so that they didn't, almost as if they didn't have to follow the guidance. They weren't instructed to follow the guidance that was laid, clearly laid out. And right. so I think they, they, they it really was baffled the, ju the judges. I looked at the, you know, the look on their faces like, let me ask this in another way, right? <laughs> they, were being, they were taking yeah. terms of being very direct about uh, what was said and mm -hmm. what the guidance was. And and so it appeared to me that that attorney, he was focusing most of his attention on, on loyalty and not law, right. defiance right. and not compliance. And so there were there are consequences for people that uh, act in that manner. Right. And so I think that uh, it bothers me that we are at a time in history where. There are individuals that that are focusing more on loyalty versus fo following the law, and right. I think that uh, there has to be more said about that. Have mm -hmm. we lost? Are we at a point to where we 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 are going away from uh, what our true beliefs should be and following the law? Because you know, for me, uh, he's a student of. Uh, of the law, he, he's graduated from uh, you know the finest institutions that uh, around that prepare legal minds, and so clearly uh, he's gone away from that, and it is just unfortunate. And yeah. the appeal uh, is not; I don't think an appeal is going to help them. I think that I, I hope that the, the um, Supreme Court doesn't even uh, hear it and just sh shoots it back. That's yeah. what I hope will happen. Uh, their intent is to go after Section Two. But that's a, there's a slippery slope there, and I don't necessarily see the angle for going after Section Two. Um, but there are some other things that that I hear that that are um, going on in the background that yeah. add more light on uh, on this situation, the relationships, and the friendships that they're banking on. Yeah, I, uh, I've heard those as well. Um, you know, it, it always seemed to me that the better course of action for them would have been to create a district that was in the 47 to 48% minority range and then say that there was a legitimate opportunity through voting to attract enough white people for a minority candidate to be to win that uh, to win a seat and then and so in essence they they can go to the court and claim we've made a good faith effort to do this and now, if you turn us down, you're basing it entirely on race, and you cannot do that. And I think they might have prevailed on that, but I don't. Th I think you're 100 percent right about this. This just going in there and being completely defiant to what they said, and and just ignoring the court's orders. 
So one of the issues that I, I have, so here's where I look at it. Based upon where the second congressional district was being drawn, Josh, uh-huh. I differ because white voters in that area, based upon the racial polarization study, which is unfortunate that we're at this point, right. white voters vote 98% based upon race. Yes, yes. Black yes. voters vote 92% based upon race. So right. there's only 2% chance that an African-American can actually prevail <laughs> if right. you yeah. 48%. Right. Yeah. And so I yeah. think that if there are natural coalitions among white voters in a rural area, I haven't found it yet. Right. And so uh, even so you're looking at the 92 percent African-American, 98 percent white. So you're seeing racial polarization play out in a lot of these rural areas. Now, if we were in Madison County and, and David can, can attest to this, it will be different if we were mm-hmm. in Madison County. Because there are natural coalitions. Madison County, we're 20-something percent of the population, uh, but we're seeing, you know, there are black candidates that have gotten 40-something percent of the vote. So that's clear that there's an opportunity there. Yeah. But in other places throughout the state, uh, we're finding that the racial polarization is a lot deeper. And so um, I wish we weren't at that point, and I never imagined that we would be at a place to where uh, racial polarization will be so strong. Um, but I have to look at the facts and I'll have to look at the data. And yeah, it's, it's, it is crazy, though. I mean, you know, it, it, but what gets you about the whole thing is they weren't tied to that to that district, too, down there. You know, they weren't tied to that. They could have created this opportunity district anywhere in the state. They could have come up here and told Dell Strong to go back to acting like a non-crazy person for a little while, you know, like he was when he was on the county commission, when he didn't act like he was just batshit Donald Trump crazy, you know, and uh, and he could have, you know, maybe had an opportunity to to win the district anyway in, in a revised district. But Instead, they did. They, it seemed like they just boxed themselves in with this, and I, I don't know, man. It, I, I don't know. Y'all, y'all follow especially Madison politics more closely than I. But it, it seemed like that would have been a better option for them, wouldn't it not have? Well, I, I think in order to create an opportunity district, um, you know, clearly where the African American populations are penetrated, uh-huh. they probably felt that it would be more of a racial gerrymander uh, if they have taken that approach. But the court's guidance and guidelines specifically say uh, that um, uh, communities of interest, right? Mm-hmm. And so there are a lot of people that are African-American that are not from Alabama that lives in Madison County. Then mm-hmm. there are Montgomery, Tuscaloosa, Mobile, and others. When you look at it from a historical standpoint, you look at uh, the commerce or the, the uh, slave trade, you look at down at the Mobile Bay and how they move up north into the Black Belt. So what you're finding is that there are the Mo, the African Americans in, in Mobile County have more in common with the Black Belt, whereas mm-hmm. the when they redrew the lines, they felt that Baldwin County and the African Americans in Mobile County had more in common. That's not true, and the courts pointed that out in their in the in the 180 page brief, right? And so right. it's clearly say that from an employment standpoint, even today. I know people that have left Bullock County, which is in the Black Belt, moved down to Mobile County for employment opportunities. African-Americans leave different places where they're not employment opportunities. They're not going to Detroit. They're not going to Ohio anymore. They're moving closely into urban areas that have the employment opportunities like a Mobile, like a Montgomery, like a Tuscaloosa, and like a Russell County, right? A Phoenix City area. And so 
what you can clearly see is that those are communities of interest because it's family lineage. There's employment, you know, uh, where these folks have come from one or the other. They've come from the black belt. Uh, and, and, and so you look at it from a historical standpoint, you can then justify that there are communities of interest because of from a historical standpoint where family members have been, you know, from a, from the um, a slave trade um, a part of this from a historical standpoint where they moved up north mobile from the Mobile Bay north up to the Black Belt where a lot of folks reside, mm-hmm. right? And so it's about movement for employment in state, not out of state. And so that's kind of uh, more of a history lesson for them to understand what communities of interest. Communities of interest is not where two roads connect. That's, <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't justify a community of interest, hmm. right? When you're talking about people, right? You're not talking about, you're not talking about people as property in this context. Okay, you used to, but you're not talking about it the same. You're talking about people as in human being, right? Mm-hmm. Family yeah. lineage, all these type of different things are communities of interest. Voting as a block, having the same interests. So those are communities of interest, not yeah. Mobile and, 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 and Baldwin. Come on, guys. Most of the folks that live in Baldwin County, some of them are in that area. Retirement. Right. Mm-hmm. From other places. So mm-hmm. there's no real justification to say that. Mobile and the black belt are not community of interest. They are. Hmm. Can we go back to Dale Strong for a minute? Uh, I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking about uh, what you were saying, Anthony, and I remember and I think you were probably there when. uh the late, uh, great uh, Madison County Commissioner Bob Harrison was funeralized at uh, Progressive Union Missionary Baptist Church. Um, uh, Dale Strong got up and made some really powerful remarks about Bob and was very well received. In fact, I was a little surprised at how well received he was. But of course, this was before he decided to run for Congress as a Trump Republican. But he was very well received. And I thought and I remember sitting there thinking, you know, um, he has he probably has more inroads in the black community than I had realized and and probably is a much more viable or at least I'll say palatable candidate uh, for the black community than I realized. Again, I'm stressing this is before running for for Congress as a Trump Republican. Um, do you think if he had opted to stay on that path and, and, uh, and what Josh was suggesting earlier about, um, you know, that, 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 that district becoming, you know, our district becoming the district that was pivotal in this conversation instead of the one uh, down there in the South end of the state, do you think that he uh, could have possibly um, uh, garnered enough black support, uh, even with a redrawn district, to have been the candidate of choice or to at least have been competitive? I, I don't think so. Uh, I okay. think that he would have had a hard time even probably being on the ballot. Yeah. yeah he got beat by that fruitcake Wardinsky. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I think, you think you, so? some of the things that we got to look at from a okay. political standpoint. We have to look at what's smoke and what's fire. Mm-hmm. 
let's look, let's pull back the curtain and look at the fire. Okay. Let's look at some of the appropriation actions uh, from, from Dale. Let's look at some other, other things. Um, but I will tell you that there's no way Dale would have been elected uh, in that primary uh, as polarizing as politics was during the last election. He wouldn't have been elected uh, in the primary. He wouldn't have made it out of the primary. Hmm. And okay. had someone else made it out of the primary, would the black community even have an opportunity to have a conversation with them hmm. based upon yeah. who they were before they got to running for office. Yeah, you're talking about Wardinsky now. Yeah. Whether it's Wardinsky or who there, because there are other people in that primary hmm. and the polling data that, that we see a lot of times actually tells, gives you direction on how to run races and how to stay elected. Mm-hmm. Despite the actual policy and appropriation in the purse of you controlling the purse, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what we've come to in politics. It's just that many of us that are on the Democratic side don't necessarily, I don't personally use um, flames for reelection because at the end of the day, the difference between me and these other people is that I don't care about the next election. I'm not I'm not running to to get to the next election and I'm not saying things to get to the next election. I actually don't I actually don't care, to be honest with you, hmm. uh, because but there are some people that in order to get there to be helpful to a community. They follow they follow kind of what the poll what the polls are, and, and sometimes that, you know, that's the case. But I just refuse to acquiesce to that. But I'm not in the Republican Party. So therefore, that the optics of doing it that way would not um, serve me well, right? Uh, on the other side or anyone, you know, because their politics is a little bit different. And so there's a different dynamic within the, within the parties uh, that where the Republican Party do follow polling data more than we do, mm-hmm. right? We feel that everyone should have a seat at the table, an opportunity to voice their, their, their opinion. And we, based upon life experiences and, and exposure, Rearticulate the experience of other people or ourselves in order to communicate with our voters. The other side use the data to drive their conversation. But once they get in office, um, sometimes it's a lot different because you can look at some of the the, the appropriations to d- determine, okay, some of the things that's being said, is it being executed from an appropriation standpoint? Did we not help Alabama A&M? Did we not help Drake? Did we not help, um, you know, minority businesses, right? But when you look at the actual fire, it says something totally different than the rhetoric that's spewed by a lot of these folks. Mm-hmm. And it's the same way in Montgomery. Um, we've had um, pretty successful um, uh, packages passed that where there's been inclusion, right? There's not been an exclusion, any exclusion from the black community. They've given myself and Paul and other Representative Hall and others an opportunity to weigh into a lot of the policy conversation. But when you look at the six o'clock news, sometimes it's different. They're following the polling talk, the polling talking points based upon the poll, but the actions are not exactly in line with what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. Not defending Dale or right. any comments he made, but I'm right. just kind of helping us see. Um, 
sort of the big picture so that we can understand that um, the dynamics on the other side is different than our side. Like you're, you, you know, you're first as a Democrat, our mindset is more about empathy is a high mark Mm -hmm. one or two, but the other side empathy is like eight or nine. (laughs) (laughs) Right. 80 or 90. Because of the the part of the brain that's being used. Uh But you can get there, but it's just not. So when you're communicating with the other side, you can't use empathy as your way of arguing. Right, because right. that's why that's how your people are trained to think. Yeah. yeah. They use money. They use money. Yeah. With and that. So, yeah. yeah. So you you, you got to use other. So it's just there's a way to get there. Um, but sometimes it's harder for us because we're emotional about what we hear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think you make some very strong points there. One one final question for you. You said you don't care. And and I want to I want you to elaborate on that, because I think there's a deeper, richer point that you're making when you say that. Um, and, and, and I'm not going to put words in your mouth. I want to hear you elaborate on that. So for me, when I make a decision. And I'm making a decision based upon what I see as a way to help the community that I represent. Mm-hmm. And so I don't make decisions out of political expediency, meaning that because it's a popular decision. I got to go with what the polls are telling me or what the pundits are saying. If it doesn't fit where we are in Alabama or it doesn't fit my district, I'm not going to take the position, the popular position because of that. I'm going to make decisions based upon what I feel is the right thing. So if that means that I get voted out of office the next time for making a decision that I thought was the right decision for my community, then I'm fine with that. And I, I can deal with that. But I'm not making a decision now to get reelected three years from now. I just don't, I don't operate like that. And you know, I'm, you know, I'll say whatever comes to mind that I believe is the right thing, but I would have done my homework on, Hey, here's how we move the needle. Mm-hmm. And there are things that, you know, I've talked about that didn't get any attraction, but it passed legislatively, the overtime bill, right? I talked about it a year ago during the campaign cycle in the summer, last summer, um, the previous summer. And, People thought I was crazy. There's no way that's going to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. And then there are some people shooting holes through it on my side of the aisle. Uh, but I'm like, OK, do you realize what state we're in? I can't mm-hmm. pass a increase in minimum wage to 15 to 20 dollars an hour. That's going to kill the G's country kitchen. They're going to kill the other company, I mean, uh, other small businesses. And so we got to start thinking logically about the decisions that we make and who it impacts. Otherwise, that's not good representation for the people you're representing. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, last thing for me, and we'll get you out of here, um, is um, uh, let's let's say you're right, and this uh, gets you know the Supreme Court either uh, doesn't doesn't mess with this or overturns or you know upholds the federal court decision, whatever happens. Do you are you confident that? If this the 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 map the you know the special master and the cartographer return a district of fifty one fifty two percent minority voters in District Two, for example, we'll just use District Two since that's where we seem to be focused. Are you confident that the Democratic Party can find and put forth a candidate and support them well enough to win that district? I think there are a lot of candidates already lining up without uh-huh. the Democratic Party having it. This is a district um, 
Josh, that you don't have to recruit anyone. You don't have to recruit anyone. Everybody I can think of one immediately who's going to run. I can think of one immediately who, who may run, yes. There are, num- there are four in my mind right now. Yeah. Two of them are house members. Right. One state senator mm-hmm. and one mayor. Now, listen, and so obviously one of them is the House Minority Leader uh, right now. Where? Uh, in Alabama. Um, who's no. going to run. Uh, I, I that's what know. I've heard. And so I've heard that he's, uh, he's up, he's ready to go. Um, and so uh, uh, he's, got a, he's got a coalition of folks behind him, and he's got all the money that he needs. And that's what I've heard. Listen, Josh, uh, being one of 435 at a time where uh, you're you're able to have some uh, opportunities for bipartisanship in the state legislature. Mm-hmm. That's more important to me than running for Congress. Being able to get deliver services and opportunities for the people on the ground is more important to me than running for Congress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm from the area that this will be drawn in. Absolutely, mm-hmm. from four of the have family members in four or five of the counties that that will likely be there. But mm-hmm. that's not that's not something that I'm interested in. Uh, at this particular point in my life, I have a five-year-old and a seven-year-old, uh, and I'm trying to right now manage spending more time with them. But if I'm have to go to D.C. four days a week, uh, that's not going to be good. That's not good for my son. My son's already asking where I am today, uh, <laughs> and, and 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 get and when he see a suitcase or, or a bag going in my car, uh, he's already crying. And so Aww. at that point, you know, how can I leave? How can yeah. I make a decision like that mm-hmm. that impacts my son, you know, right. and, that, and and my daughter, too, and my mm-hmm. wife. And so I, I just wouldn't, you know, for me, um, I'm someone that it's not I'm not there are a lot of people that have a lot of ambition and a lot of mm-hmm. people that have a lot of ambition for people that they think have ambition. Right. right? But for me, I'm just a, as I tell folks in the legislature, I'm just I'm just a poor country boy that just found the city. <laughs> I just want to do whatever. I just want to do what it takes to help people. Don't sell that poor country boy shit around here. We know better. Don't sell that. All right. Uh, look, but listen, I know that's that's very admirable. And uh, and you know yeah. we would love to see you run and 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 do well. We think you'd do well. But if you don't want to run, we're not pushing you. And and uh, but I, I do. It, it, I'll tell you what. It's concerning the shape of the current Democratic Party. Uh, you know that it's in. But I will say. I think what you talked about earlier in which the the Republican Party forces its candidates into this super right wing box in this state where you end up with Barry Moores and Jerry Carls and even at this point, Dale Strong, just on TV acting like crazy people. Um, And I don't think in that district around Montgomery, because Montgomery, you know, when you when you take in the whole of the county, remember the last time we took in the whole of the county, we ended up with uh, Bobby Bright and Martha Roby, and you know, and so I think that you're talking about a very different dynamic uh, around there because even when you start talking about the white people that are around Montgomery County and in the suburbs of, of the city of Montgomery, most of those folks are you know fairly moderate people. Um, and so I think that you, you that doesn't play very well. So I think that works out pretty well for the Democrats if they can get this uh, the the map drawn the way we think it will will be drawn. Uh, I think that works out pretty well for them, don't you? I do, but I look at the long game. Yeah. Um, you, you lost seven thousand people 
the last census in Dallas County where Selma is long. So in order for that to work, you're going to have to have a Russell County, a Montgomery County, uh, maybe a Tuscaloosa uh, throughout the Black Belt, and you'll have to have partial mobile and or partial mobile in order to make that work. Because when you lose population, are you setting yourself up to be in the same situation eight years from now? Mm. Because it's, if, if there's no employment opportunity, the way the, the the one of the disappointments that I have with members of Congress across the country is that if you think long term, you have to think about ways to retain population. And there's only one way to retain population in rural areas is good paying jobs. You're going to lose population larger than you can ever imagine. So you have to focus on those type of deliverables while you're in office to retain population and understand that is not just about you. It's about the future in general, and it's about building. And so for me, I see the Montgomery and the Russell counties and the Tuscaloosa counties, other areas being feeder patterns uh, or, or uh, communities that people that leave the black belt where there are no employment opportunities, mm -hmm. they move to those areas. And so therefore you're playing musical chairs with the population, you're not losing it if these areas are drawn into the district. But we gotta put more pressure on our members of Congress. Let me tell you what I want. I want a partner. I want partners that's running for Congress. Whoever the member, uh, person that's elected to Congress in the second district as a Democrat, and whoever, you know, our, our Congresswoman Sewell, I want them to be partners with House and Senate members. And I want us working together. I want local communities working together. Because at the end of the day, there needs to be a strategic plan, a 20-year plan, on how you're going to re retain population, how you're going to improve the infrastructure in the area, how the quality of education in the bar is going to be set higher, right? And how you're going to create opportunities for people to want to move back there that have left our state that want to retire back into, into the state of Alabama and those communities. Are those yeah. communities prepared for them to come back? Mm. That's how you retain population. Yeah. All this other stuff is hogwash because you don't control the Commerce Department at the state level but you have a powerful position to where you can go yourself and try to attract businesses to your district that fit the work economic uh, the workforce development patterns that's currently in your district and the workforce development patterns of the future. But if you're not doing that, you're you're the main you're one of the reasons we're losing population. Mm. <laughs> Do your damn job. Mm. Oh man, uh, I can really end on the Bill Belichick quote: "Do your damn job." Yeah. Um, and uh, listen, I appreciate you coming on. I know you you spend an extended period of time with us, and uh, and I know you're busy. And uh, and thanks for coming and breaking it down and, yep. and telling people what's going on. It's a, it's a real honestly, it is a real big help, and and we th we thank you for doing it. No, well, I appreciate you guys, but but I, I want to end on this point. Some of the best people I've met in my life are in the Alabama legislature on both sides of the aisle, all right? Look at Demo the Democratic bills that pass this, legislative, this past legislative session. That, that can't just happen with Democrats. We don't have enough numbers, right? Right. So I think that sometimes, um, because the politics of the national level is so polarizing, we got to start reminding people that in the state of Alabama, it's not as polarizing, Right. And so I think that we need to acknowledge that when we see it and not just, you know, we just can't beat up on people all the time. Yeah. 
Whereas I do have people that enjoy that. But I do. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I, I know you weren't talking important. specifically about me. Yeah. No, I, I, but it's important that we acknowledge the successes mm-hmm. and the and the, and the opportunities to work together in addressing issues like mental health and other issues that have been addressed. So I think that it's important that we we acknowledge that. And in some instances, there have been more progressive policies passed in a bipartisan matter since during my tenure in the legislature than previous years when, you know, we were in the majority, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're you're right, and in, in some cases, and it should be celebrated a little bit more. Maybe people would stop viewing it in such a negative way, if you know, a compromise that is, uh, stop viewing compromise in a negative way. And so, but uh, you know, that's a. Uh, uh, I hope hopefully we can get there at some point. Uh, all right, we got to get out. We got to get out of here. So uh, we'll uh, we're gonna we're gonna leave you. Thank you for coming. Uh, yeah, thank thanks, you for, for all the information. Thank you for what you do, and uh, we'll we'll catch up with you down the road pretty soon. All right, guys, don't do nothing I wouldn't do. <laughs> Zero chance of that. Zero chance. All right, we're back in a minute. Alabama politics is week. If you're hearing my voice, that means you are a fan of Alabama politics this week. And I want to tell you how grateful I am that you listen and that you're engaged with what Josh and I talk about every week. So I want to ask you to continue listening and uh, continue to support us and definitely reach out with ideas, comments, suggestions. Uh, Your support makes a difference and it means a lot. Alrighty, welcome back, Alabama Politics This Week. It's a nice extended segment uh, there with uh, Representative Anthony Daniels. I appreciate him uh, coming in. But listen, it was all very informative, and I think yeah, it was uh, I think it was good for people to hear from him. And it's, I think it's also good for people to hear from a politician who says, "Listen, I don't care about the next election." Um, you know, and it, what it tells me is uh, is Anthony Daniels. Like there are others as well uh, in our legislature and in our government. Who who don't need to be elected to have um, joy and a feeling of accomplishment, right? And 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 consider it a personal achievement necessarily. Uh, right. The they they you know they have other things. Anthony has other jobs and other things that you know businesses that he runs, and you know yeah. his wife is very successful. Yeah. Uh, they they're a very successful family, mm-hmm. and you know and and he doesn't need he doesn't if he's not elected tomorrow. Uh, I, I would guarantee you the day after, if he lost an election uh, for a while, he would be a little disappointed. And by the next week, when he realized how much free time he had, he would enjoy it immensely. Uh, so no, I, think, I think that's the way. It is I think you're right. I think you're exactly. I think yeah. you, your read on him is spot on. That's that's what I sense. And uh, his wife, Dr. Tanisha Daniels, is very accomplished in her own right and uh is uh, very respected in the community as a yes. business owner and as a dentist, and and I really, I mean, honestly, fine. honestly, he's 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 a kept man. Uh, let's be honest, about it, okay? I mean, he's a kept man, and uh, and he 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 rides her coattails, and. Yeah. Uh, as, and helps out her businesses, and he does a good job of helping out her businesses. But I, yeah, know, it's uh, but, she's but the breadwinner, and and he just rides along. He's along for the ride, and so um, you know he's going to get you the next time he sees you for that. <laughs> he can't deny it. He can't deny it. See, that's that's how you put him in a in a little box. There is, you know, what's he going to do? He's going to deny this, and then make his wife mad. Come on, I, I can't lose this argument. Uh, 
But uh, no, you know he is good. Uh, he, he's a good guy, and he, mm-hmm. he has done a lot uh, for the state and for the party and for, uh, for candidates around. And so, Absolutely. and, and he, act, he actually mm-hmm. cares about people and stuff. And I think that shows uh, in in the number of friends he has uh, yeah. on both sides of the aisle. Um, all right, listen. If you'd like to get in touch with us, APW at producer at gmail.com. It's APW producer at gmail.com. Make sure you drag out that W. Um, That's right. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, but uh, it, we'll answer. Uh, we, it typically comes into us, and uh, other than the, uh, the the ads for Cialis that go to David, we I get I see all the rest. Uh, I swear I don't know where you got that from. <laughs> they're, they're, every single week, there's like an ad or two for some erectile dysfunction medication that rolls into the into the inbox, and I don't know why it comes in, but it that's does. pretty wild. Okay, yeah, I didn't so, know that. Okay. Yeah, um, so uh, we you know, we went way long with Anthony, so we're going to wrap up pretty pretty quickly here in the last yeah. segment. It was just the right wing nut. The right wing nut, as you could probably suspect, is Tommy Tuberville, um, who honestly, I, at this point, we may just, instead of calling it the right wing nut of the week, we may just start calling it the Tommy Tuberville Award. Yeah. Um, because. The tubs. I mean, every single day, it's something Dumber than the last. When you think the last dumb thing he said or did is the, the dumbest possible thing, he could not achieve higher levels of dumdom. Uh, and you know, but he does. He 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 always manages to top himself or bottom himself. Um, I, I, it just, I mean, last night the interview with talking about getting the wokeness out of the army because we got people doing poems on aircraft carriers. What the fuck are you talking about? You know what? Doing poems. This is a man who has worked for multiple institutions of higher learning, has frequently been the highest paid employee at several institutions of higher learning. Doing poems? What the fuck are you talking about? I mean, and, and just and the suggestion that because you do you, you may write poetry that you're somehow weak or it's making your the military weak. You know what's making the military weak? Stupidity. That's what's making the military weak. Stupidity like that. And I, honestly, there there are a whole, there's a whole history of people writing poetry in the military, uh, of journals from you know from the various wars that we've entered, uh, from soldiers. Uh, they're filled with poems and 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 things that were written. And yeah. I, it just I said, shut S- up. Some of the greatest uh, greatest works in uh, Western uh, literature mm-hmm. have been based on uh, war motifs and so forth. It's just. Uh, you know the uh, I'm thinking about um, what's the one with it? I just drew a blank on it, but what's the one? The story about the Trojan horse. Yes, uh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I'm, I'm drawing a blank now. Way, what yeah. it is, but I mean, there's that. You know, when you when we were in high school and college, you know, you discover there's this whole uh, this this whole body of work that that's that's based on uh, military actions and wars. That's mm-hmm. poetry. It's it's considered fine art. Yes. And so it just what he's saying is just it's it's kind of it's just ignorant. I mean, I don't what else do you say? It's ignorant. It, it, it's all ignorant. And and his continued uh, politicization of this stance on abortion stuff that he has mm-hmm. uh, that is holding up military, uh, you know, uh, promotions. And it, it just. It's uh, it's kind of pathetic. 
You know, it's it's an attention seeking thing. It's not about abortion. It's not, this isn't, if you stop this tomorrow, it wouldn't stop a, a single abortion. Uh, there's no money actually going towards the abortion process itself. Um, you're reimbursing people for traveling to travel out of state for legal health care hmm. because you, we have stationed them in an area in which they cannot receive the services for which they are trying that they need. Right. So it is only fair that because we have done so, We've reimbursed them for the travel to go and receive these legal services. Hmm. I, I don't understand how this is hard. Yeah, it's not complicated, uh, but it's the same, you know, it, it, but, but just to show that at least there's some consistency in stupidity and hypocrisy, it's the same logic that Steve Marshall is using, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, he's using the same logic that Tuberville is, that there's some sort of... Uh, we have some innate right as a state to penalize people for leaving the state to do something that's legal somewhere else, but we're going to penalize them because they're not, because they can't, it's not legal here. Mm -hmm. And so because we can't restrict them from leaving the state to do it there, we're going to try to penalize them for doing it there. Well, that's yeah. insane. That's no, just absolutely insane. Yeah. yeah. yeah there's no logic constitutional. to it. Yeah, there's no logic to it. It's just no. that this was this. They believe that this makes them more electable. That's all it is. Mm. It makes them more popular with a certain base of voters uh, that they will uh, that will allow them to succeed in the next primary election, which is all they need to succeed in Alabama is in the primary election because you know the other side is not going to be able to put up a viable candidate. You know, a statewide race for uh, you know in, in Tuberville's case for U.S. Senate or uh, in Marshall's case probably you know a statewide race for governor or whatever you know he he decides to run for. Uh, next. Um, and, and they, they know that that base is what's going to put them over the top. And so, you know, that's, that's where we are with this. It doesn't, and they're perfectly willing to upend, uh, Tuberville's perfectly willing to upend the, you know, the entire military at this point, uh, and, and do great harm to people that have nothing to do with this policy, uh, hold up their promotions, hold up their, their lives up in their families' lives that, that, you know, now they cannot move. They can't go to where they're supposed to go. Uh, and, and so he doesn't care about that. Steve Marshall in the meantime is perfectly willing to upend the lives of people that are working for, uh, to help women and children, you know, that, uh, to receive, Legal care, legal care. You yeah. know what? I don't care what you think about abortion or whatever. It is legal in other states. It was legal here for a long time, and it's legal in these other states. And so they are assisting them to uh, to to get legal services. It's not illegal. They're assisting them in legal services and to to try to in some way uh, penalize them and vilify them is. It, it, I mean, it's, it's just abhorrent. Honestly, it just is a. Uh, it's it's a grandstanding, uh, narcissistic tactic that serves one person and one person only, and it sure as hell isn't you or me. That's right. That's right. No. All right, let's get out of here. All right, man. Uh, get on out. See if uh, see if Dion can do it again this weekend. <laughs> and uh, that's, hey, right. that's my only football talk. Uh, yeah, that's football talk, and I'm gonna throw this out there too. If you haven't seen Equalizer three. Uh-huh. Oh man. Man. Oh, yeah. I like the first two. I like the first two. Man, this one takes it to a whole nother level. Mm, I mean, man, nice. it is it's the I'll just say the the opening ten minutes 
are absolutely stunning, and I and I'm Ooh. saying stunning in the in the in the in the purest tradition, most traditional sense of that word. Stunning. I mean, it's just jaw dropping what what happens and how it happens, and and then where it leads. And oh my goodness, it's it's a. No, it's a good movie. Then I like to hear it. I like to hear yeah, it. I was man, hoping I'm this movie was going to be good. I love the first the, two. The only thing I'll say is, um, it is absolutely not for, in my opinion. It's not for anybody that's probably under 13 oh, yeah. or 12 because the body count is just so ridiculously <laughs> high and not just high, but yeah. but really gruesomely high. I mean, yeah. it's, it's really I listen, I like a good I like a good 1980s style uh, action movie, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where everybody gets shot and everybody dies uh, at some point. And uh, there's just, you know, a, kind of a Quentin Tarantino blood on the floor. Mm. Uh, thing uh, and listen, I, I I understand it's violence. I understand it's gun violence in mm-hmm. a lot of in a lot of ways. I know, I know. But, well, you know. in this case, I'll say it's not. The violence is very graphic and it's quite <laughs> and it's quite extensive. But <laughs> right. you know, but it's because in in this one, more so than even in the first two. Um, the equalizer character that Denzel Washington plays is really almost like um, the angel of death. I mean, oh, that's, yeah. that's really what he is in this movie to me. You know, mm-hmm. he's just like the angel of death wreaking havoc to restore justice. And he just and he just goes through and does his thing, man. It's It's really... It, but right. it's it's well done. The the the, the lady friend, uh, my lady friend and I, we went and watched it, and uh, she was covering her eyes. <laughs> oh yeah? yeah. Oh man. I didn't cover my oh, eyes. Lady but... friend, huh? Or lady friend visit? Well, this wife material. It's wife material coming. Well, we're not going to discuss any of that on the podcast. Oh, okay. oh, I'm sorry. Listen, I didn't know how I didn't know how personal you wanted to we're get. That's fine. If you wanted to keep that from people, you know, that's fine. That's <laughs> but okay. uh, but. But but she this lady friend she was covering her yeah. eyes and and it was it was intense man but but I still think it's the best one I've seen of oh, the three cool. it's the best oh really of the three that's this is the best one of the three oh, this man, is I the love best that first one. one man I love that first one I thought that first one was great first one so was awesome yeah second one to me was good but not great yeah, same. Same. This one, I think, is better than the first one. All right. All right. Well, then we're gonna have to go. I think me and my wife have got a little time to kill Friday night, so we may we may actually have to take it take this up. So I, I say do yeah. it, and then tell me what yeah. you think. All right, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. All we're right. Gonna, we're gonna we're gonna do this, and, uh, and then otherwise, uh, y'all don't y'all don't call or anything. This is football on all weekend this week. Uh, yeah. The NFL starts tonight. Uh, it's Thursday night, and then uh, we're we're full full slate on Sunday, all day long college on Saturday, including the the, the late night cap with Auburn out at Cal. So we're uh, mm. you know, yeah, it's okay. uh, it's life is life is better with football. It is. <laughs> no. All right, we're gonna slide out here. Until next week, y'all be safe out there. All right, peace. Thank you.